This is the Conduit Church Podcast. It is our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us. Thanks for joining us for this week's teaching. Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick up where we left off. This is the second week on the seven spiritual gifts of Romans 12. Power of the seven is basically the simple idea that there are seven gifts in the book of Romans chapter 12 that are supernaturally natural. Everybody has one. There's seven of them. I've only got one. You got one. That means that I am one-seventh of the solution, right? You are one-seventh. But together, we get to be the solution that Jesus has for this earth. If you did not get a chance last week to take the test, it takes about says five minutes. It actually is on average about three minutes. Uh, MyLifeGift.com, I know most of you have taken, I think 700 so far have taken it from the church. So if you didn't get a chance last week, you can do that this week. Uh, It turns out, remember I was saying last week that only like 1% was like the gift that that I have, which is not because I'm so special, uh, but because I'm just not that needed. Like it's just the one that we don't need that much. It's like that one socket that you, you need it when you need it. And then you, don't, you put it in the drawer and then you use it again later. So that's uh, 1% of the thousands that have taken the test. But in our church, it's actually like 7% that score that. So I don't know what that means. Uh, I actually kind of do, which is that nerds unite. <laughs> I don't know if Gage Kettner is here. There's a 16-year-old in our church that uh, this is his gift. He's a smart kid. I mean, really smart kid. And I crushed his soul last week making fun of myself. Uh, for which he, you know, took to me making and crushing him, uh, which my response was, uh, suck it up, because uh, this, is, <laughs> this is your life <laughs> with this gift. <laughs> Remember the gift of mercy that I don't have? <laughs> By the way, that's 100% true. Like, I sent the text, and I was like, oh, that's, that's actually the, I don't have the gift of mercy. Proof right there. Suck it up, buttercup is what I think I said. Anyway, Bob Goff always says things better than I can. When he says that our problem following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of ourselves instead of a more accurate reflection of him. The modern moral therapeutic deity, whatever thing that's going on in our culture right now is all about us looking into ourselves to become better versions of us. And that is a fool's errand. He didn't want us to be a better version of ourselves. He wants us to be a better reflection of him. And these gifts... Jesus is the only one that had all seven of them, right? Because he's fully God and he's fully man. If I had all seven, I don't need Jesus. I can can be Kanye. I Jesus. I can walk on water myself. That's a guy that thinks he's got all seven. He don't. Has it ever been more obvious (laughs) that he doesn't? He certainly doesn't have the gift of discernment this month. Anyway, um, but the point is, is I need you. You need me. Jesus set this up in a way that we're all going to be a a little bit of a a glimpse of him, whether it's mercy, right, or or whether it's discerning or whatever these gifts, vision, Jesus had all of them, and we get to be that for for this world. Romans 12, I want to read to you, um, if you've got your Bibles out, um, now would be a good time to get them out or turn them on. Uh, I used to get really wound up over, uh, you know, the hard, you, you need to have a hard paper Bible because that, you know, I don't know, it sounded really good in the time. And then it hit me one day, uh, if I was so concerned about the original of how it was given to us, then I should go get two stone tablets and teach from that. So turns out 
uh, turning your Bible on is just as effective as reading it on a piece of paper because it's still the word of God, whether it's on your phone or whether it's on a piece of paper. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, verse one, view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. One of the best definitions of worship biblically that I can think of or come up with is just simply that. Whatever you're offering your life to, that is what you worship. Not what you sing to, but what you offer your life to. If you're offering your life to your career, if you're, if you're laying your life on the altar for your family, whatever, those, whatever altar your life is on, that's what you worship. And he's saying none of those can withhold the weight of your worship. You'll crush them. Only our Father can. So that's what it means to worship. Offering your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, his pleasing will. And verse three, for the grace, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, if you're like me, you've been around the Bible for any length of time, you've heard that idea that we are the body of Christ. Paul talks about in Corinthians. He talks about it in Romans. So, but what, how do we know which part is the body? Like which body part? How do we, we don't have to ask. He tells us these are the body parts. This is what the body of Christ is. These seven gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we approach your word this morning with humility, with expectation, and with hope. Lord, that your word is a light and it's a lamp. And this is so supernatural and so practical at the exact same time. And I'm so grateful that you've given this to us. And I pray that as we encounter your word, as we go through your word, that your word is going to go through us and it's going to do what we just read. It's going to transform us. It's going to renew our mind. That's what we pray for this morning. And Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters all over this community, all over this region that are lifting up and glorifying your name today in a world where many churches are taking crazy left turns into crazy stuff, there are many that are not. There are as a remnant that is holding the line of the truth. Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters at Thompson Station Church, Pastor Tom, as he's making a transition this year. That's a, a, a complex time and a complex thing to do, but he's doing it with such honor. And I pray that you'll bless him and Leanne and their church family as they're embarking on that journey. Father, for our brothers and sisters at Southview that just got a new location with Mark and Leanne that's exciting for them. Pray that 
the, the little tiny building that you had given them for this long uh, that now expands and they get to expand their impact on the kingdom. We're so grateful for everyone in this community that gets to do that and we are just one voice among many. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. These are the seven gifts listed in Romans 12, right? Now, prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, peacemaking, administration, and mercy is what you've seen them in the past, depending on what translation. Um, I kind of went a little Eugene Eugene Peterson. Um, I was looking at the original Greek and trying to give like an identity for that that that, that makes, well, it was more for me, so if it happens to make more sense for you, that's helpful. But this was for me, helping to make sense to me in a modern context. So like when you see prophecy, like that word in our English language, you immediately, like I, maybe, I don't know, like you maybe didn't think of this, but I think of it as a very specific, thus saith the Lord, um, I don't know if you grew up in a church where they had uh, prophecy on Sundays, anybody? Isn't it weird that God always spoke in King James? You know what I'm saying? Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> like, I, I, I never sayeth anything. Like, I only, you know, um, I only say things. But point is, that, that's a word, and we're going to get to it in a minute as far as 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, but that word isn't the word. That, this is a different one. So that visionary is what this idea, what this word is. It's literally like somebody that is so confident that sees what everybody else can't see, bulldozes right through the middle of it, and that we've got a room that has about 20% of them in here. So there's a lot of fighters in this room. Right? Congratulations. These are the seven. I'm, I'm going to cover them in a minute, but we, uh, we talked about it last week. If you didn't get a chance to hear it in full, um, it's online on YouTube, uh, wherever podcasts are. It's about 30 minutes, and I kind of blow through them there. That said, the discover what we talked about last week. We want you to discover what your gift is. We want you to know that. God wants you to know that and to develop that gift inside of you and then deliver it to the world around you. It's really that simple and that complex at the same time. Now, we talked about Discover extensively last week. I'm just going to do a quick flyover for this one. Discover just means what I said, like, what is my gift? Some of you have taken that little test. I want you to know that it is pretty accurate, but it is not entirely because, you know, we're all humans. And it depends on whether you actually know yourself, whether you have a good self-awareness of who you are. Uh, if you took the test and it came back going, ooh, that doesn't sound like me or your wife's like, that is 100% not you. I suggest you take the test with your spouse. Because when you say, you know, this is who I am, your spouse is like, what are you talking about? That's not who you are at all. And it's going to hurt your feelings for a second. And you're going to realize, oh, that's just the gift of self-awareness. Like my wife saying, you have zero mercy. So hurt my feelings for about 10 years. I'm over it now. <laughs> 20 years later, 10 years of therapy, but I'm good. Now, because it's true. Discover just simply is looking at yourself in the mirror and believing the truth about who you are. But I want to, for this week, do this quick flyover and tell you that there's three separate, the reason people get confused about spiritual gifts. This is for church people. If you're brand new to church, you're not confused, well, yet, but you're not confused because you have not seen all three of these different lists of gifts all listed in the same place as if they're all part of the same gifts. They're not. It's three separate sets, three separate lists, three separate purposes, and I'd like to suggest to you, each one of them correlates to a member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. 
Here's why I believe that. I'm not just making that up. I'm telling you that's what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says that there's many different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Verse five, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Right, so you've got different kinds of gifts is the first one, different kinds of service is the second one, and then different kinds of working is the third one. And you'll see now in a minute here, like I believe that those words 100% match with the different sets of gifts that we see in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, and in Ephesians 4. This is a great place for you to spend some time studying and seeking the Lord in this next year. There's four places, I've told you this, in the New Testament where they say, uh, the Bible says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. And one of those things is spiritual gifts. And what is one of the things that we're the most ignorant about in the body of Christ? Spiritual gifts. It's, a plan, it's Satan's plan from the very beginning to get you and me ignorant of the very thing God wants us to be knowledgeable of. So God has distributed verse 12, or sorry, chapter 12, verse three of Romans. God has distributed to each of you. God is the father. First Corinthians 12, verse six. It is the same God at work. The son. So Christ himself, that's Ephesians 4.11. Jesus gave those gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. Those are Jesus's gifts that he gives to the body of Christ. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And then the manifestation of the spirit is given, 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven. In verse four of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, and the same spirit distributes them. The father, the son, and the spirit. Now, today we're not focused on Ephesians 4. Someday we probably will. We're not focused today on 1 Corinthians 12. Someday we will. Today we're focused on Romans 12. But I wanted to set that scene so that when we talk about spiritual gifts, you don't have to be ignorant of what those gifts are and what the Father, the Son, and the Spirit represent in them. So we are now moving from uh, discover to develop. You've been given a gift. Chris Horton's been trusted with a gift that he's God wired into him that is not about what he does, but about who he is. By the way, one of the things that I think is the most important, the biggest delineation between like Myers-Briggs, DISC, Enneagram, is that those lists are always about you. They get me focused on me what I, inside of me, who I am, and it's always about me. These gifts are, have nothing to do with me and everything to do with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and those around us. If God is a giving God and a selfless God, then he is gonna trust us with giving away what he's given to us and not keeping it for ourselves. Almost anything that keeps you focused on yourself is a trap of the enemy. It's just Satan keeping you all focused on you because I'm all focused on me, that I'm the guy that's got to solve my problems because it's me and I can't fix the problems in my brain or whatever that my brain has created myself. That's an old Albert Einstein thing. I need the Holy Spirit. I need brothers and sisters in Christ around me, right? And so the develop is really simply what he says right here. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. By the way, that also means don't think of yourself more lowly. 
than you ought. What it really means is believe the truth about yourself. Humility would say that God gave me a gift, gave you a gift, and if I want yours because yours sounds better, I mean, who doesn't want to be Robin Baldry? Right? She's, she's dominating the county, right? She's, she's got llamas. Is it llamas? Sheep? Like, Robin's awesome. I, I would love to have Robin's gift. Humility says that God has a gift for me and a gift for Robin. Arrogance says I can be that one and this one. That's pride. That is not humility. It literally means looking at myself and believing the truth about myself. Biblical humility is simply believing the truth about yourself. He gave you a gift and he gave me one. And the truth is that he's the designer. That means he is the definer. And that means that I can trust. That is literally what faith means to trust that he knows better than I do about what I am supposed to do and what I was created to do and who I was created to be. Now, when you look at these seven, what I'm gonna focus on for these next few moments is this. Every one of these gifts, if you don't know what yours is yet, by the way, that's okay. One of the best pieces of advice I can give you, besides going and getting a free book, is just offer your life as a living sacrifice every morning. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what give you the desires of your heart. Now, I used to think that meant, I'll ask whatever I want. It's Christmas. I want it all. That's not what he meant at all. What he meant was, you delight yourself in the Lord. You humble yourself. You trust him, and I'm going to want what he wants. He's going to give his desire he's going to put in me, and those desires that I have, if, if I'm delighting myself in the Lord, are going to be his desires, Right? Worst possible advice you could ever get or give is to follow your heart. My heart has led me to do some dumb, dumb things. Follow not my heart, but his heart, right? Well, look at that. Our world right now is the catechism, the doctrine of our world is that your meaning and your purpose comes from inside if I can only find it. And what that has caused is a tragedy in our world of loneliness and depression and anxiety because every morning I'm waking up going, well, maybe I'm a boy this morning, or maybe I'm a girl this morning, maybe, maybe I'm both tomorrow. Like I, like, I'm trying to find it inside of me as opposed to letting the designer tell me what I was meant to be to begin with. That's, that's a gift to you. It, the anxiety and the depression starts to float away when I'm just I'm in faith and humility saying, no, this is just who God made me to be. I would love, love to have the visionary gift. I'd love to be the encourager gift. You guys at a party? Just because I stand in a corner by myself, right? What do introverts, uh, everybody unite to your own rooms alone. Um, It doesn't mean that I don't want to bite my bottom lip and do the white guy dance. Like, it doesn't mean that I don't want to. I want to be you. I want to be Eric. Eric wakes up that way. Like, I don't know if you've been around him at all, but he just shoots out of bed in the morning. Just, let's go. We're going to go jump in a river that's 20 degrees. I'm all in. Like, that's Eric. I would love to be that. But humility requires me to say that God needed Eric to be Eric for this moment, and he's daring to be daring, and if we stay in our lane, we can accomplish amazing things for the kingdom. 
That's what humility tells us. Now, when it comes to these gifts, let me tell you that baked into this passage, baked into these words that Paul wrote, in, wrote writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is actually an admonition, a warning, and encouragement for how you and I can develop the gift and what we've got to be careful of, of where we could go into a ditch with the gift that God has given us. He starts with prophecy, with visionary, and right there in that first uh, verse six, I think he says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, if your gift is prophesying, if your gift is the bulldozer, and I've used Lafleur as an example so many times, the guy, our friend in Haiti, uh, I, I, I don't know that this is Orton's, I think, okay, I was gonna say, this is how I experienced uh, Jennifer Orton. Okay, Jennifer Orton, right now in Kisumu, Kenya, is a school that has how many students? Two schools, how many students? See? Over 600 students in Kenya. How many were there when you got there the very first trip you ever went? 200. This gift of seeing what no one else can see, she sees a school, she sees education, she sees what's possible. Nobody else can see it. And here we are years later, there's, a, there's two schools and there's 600 students because she saw that. That's the gift of vision, of prophecy. I see it, I, I, with my, it's as if it's already there. That's how they raise so dadgum much money on golf tournaments because she sees it and drives, actually, yeah, drives it home. That's pretty good. Good night. Don't forget. I got to learn to go out on an up. You know what I'm saying? But here's what it says. If that's your gift, do it according to your faith. Not according to faith in Jennifer, but in faith in God. People who have this gift, your ditch that you get into a lot is it's about my faith in my ability to hustle and to get it done and not in God's ability to move past my hustle and get it done. When you see reports of leaders that have fallen and have done so in grand style, I, almost always it's a leader that has this gift that was, was delivering their gift, not in accordance with faith in God, but within faith in themselves. Faith in my ability to get it done, and that means that I'm afraid if, if this doesn't happen or this employee's not acting like I want to, then I yell at him and I scream at him and I fire him. It's always out of fear, but it's, the point is, is now that's because it's out of the faith in yourself and not a faith in him. And his warning to you with this gift is, it is so needed, it is so desperately needed, and you've got to do it in accordance with your faith in God, not in accordance with your faith in your own hustle. The second one is this gift of ministry. We called it collaborator because it's everybody that I know does this is not doing it alone. They get stuff done. The gift of ministry, the gift of service. First time I remember ever teaching this, I actually had somebody, uh, I'd asked them ahead of time. I don't think it was one of the Teeman boys, but it was one of the teenagers to come in, this has been years and years and years and years ago, with a glass of water, if anybody remembers this or not, and to hand me, the, I'm thirsty, and I, anyway, come in with your glass of water, and then they're, they're, I ask him to trip over a cable and smash it all over the floor and spill it in front of everybody. And everybody went, wah! And what happened was, everybody immediately went into their spiritual gifts. The collaborators were the ones jumping up, running for a mop, looking for towels. They jumped right in to help. You can always find them because they're busy. They're doing stuff. It's Martha versus Mary, and we desperately need them. Visionaries without collaborators are just a lot of hot air. 
but a collaborator without a visionary is somebody working in circles. We need each other, 100% need each other. Now, the warning for the collaborator is this. Uh, I love the, uh, the message version. This is Eugene Peterson's interpretation of this passage. He says, if you help, just help. Don't take over. Now, if you've got this gift, this might come as a surprise to you, but sometimes you've got to take a break. Sometimes you've got to take a step back and pray. In fact, I think it's the King James Version that goes on to say, wait for your serving. Now, your temptation, I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Your temptation, go right now. I see the need. I'm going right now. And by the way, that's the gift. That's, you, you see it. You see it. You can't help yourself. You think, i got to do this. But the Holy Spirit is what's supposed to lead you, not the need. Go by the lead, not the need. Somebody make a bumper sticker right now. <laughs> Farmer, can you get on that? I'll take just 10% of the cut. No. You go by the, the lead, not the need, because if you're going by the need, you'll drown in need. That's with, with financially, like we were, this, you guys are so radically generous. Uh, almost $1.6 million you have given to free slaves in Asia. That's bonkers, right? Now, that's a drop in the bucket. There's a possibility, right? We're going to fight to keep doing it, but you can't do it just by the need because the need will drown you. The Holy Spirit has to lead you. And the warning for collaborators, the, the warning for those with the gift of ministry is to, hey, prayerfully to wait before you serve, to, to take a moment and pray about it and let the Holy Spirit lead you, not let the need lead you. The third one, discerner, it says, if it is teaching, then teach. This is really, really simple. A guy like me, I get so curious. I get so distracted. My... Uh, my studying for sermons. Now, by the way, I've gotten in enormously better. I had to have someone train me because I'd find myself down these rabbit holes that I'm just completely fascinated by. And what I didn't realize until later was like, oh, that was actually just a distraction for me because all I was trying to do was get more information and more information and more information. Podcasts, Audible. I'm listening to, you know, the Jordan Peterson Genesis series. I'm, I'm just information is all I want. But he doesn't say if your gift is teaching, keep researching. <laughs> At some point, you have the information. You're wasting your time and God's. Leading this church, there have been moments where I've had to say, we actually have the information. My temptation is always, I need more information. I'm going to ask this person. I'm going to seek this advice. I'm going to get more information. If your gift is teaching, just shut up and teach. Just do your thing. Stop trying to distract away from it. Let yourself become so engrossed in this that you forget about this. The next one on the list is encourager. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. This one is hilarious to me because those who have this gift, your FOMO is so strong. Your, your fear of losing out on something, Jason Kuhn, is so strong and so amazing. 
And what can happen is then you're, I've got my, I've got, I'm in this thing now and I'm doing this thing over here and I've got all these things. And by the way, they're all fun and they're all good and you're having a blast, but the Bible's warning you, look, if your gift is encouragement, you, you just stay in your lane and do that. Be the encouragement to those around you. It's not that you don't get to go do fun things. It's just that those fun things can become a distraction from the gift that he wants to put from you into others, which is just to put courage into you. I was saying a little bit ago that Jim Weidman is that gift over and over again. I've known that man for decades. And that man's encouragement uh, to me, to, I mean, literally thousands, has literally changed my life. Quite literally, I might add, I am married to the wife that I'm married to because of Jim Weidman's encouragement 30 years ago. I had, uh, can I tell? I did it first, okay, yeah. Uh, so I met Jim at a church years ago and he, um, I'd always wondered what it was like to date a tall girl. I don't know. I was 19. What do you do? And so, so I did. Now, what I didn't realize was, you know, she was wearing a beret. Uh, she liked the Oscars uh, and movies and cinema, and I'm just a redneck white trash kid, so we could not have been more mismatched. And uh, I, the point of me telling you that is she worked for Jim at this ministry that Jim was at. And Jim was like, bub. You're going to have to get rid of her, man. She is not the girl for you. you, you. Yeah, and what I remember was that like, I, the, the moment was, uh, I believe it was the CMA Awards, maybe? It was, one, it was an award show, that I was, like, something I really wanted to watch. I know it wasn't the Grammys, because even 30 years ago, I didn't like the Grammys. All due respect, but it was like, I, I worked in the music business that was just literally just congratulating ourselves for one night. But this, I think it was like the CMAs or what, something like where the fans, and I was so excited about it, but not this girl. She wanted to have an Oscars party. And look, God bless you if you're an Oscar parties person, right? Where you put your ballots in. You've ever done this before? Anybody ever done? I've never even heard of it. I didn't either. It was first and last time. Oh, yeah, movie people, you know, right? So I'm like trying to fill out the ballot. I don't know who any of these people are. There are people I've never heard of. The best film score, makeup, costume. I, and I'm realizing I've got to get out of this relationship. <laughs> this is not, not going to work for me. So I did break up with her. It didn't take the first time. Uh, so I had to go back in. You know, they say to rip the Band-Aid off. Have you ever ripped it, but it didn't quite come off? Like, oh, that, that hurt. I got to do that again. Uh, but it was Jim's encouragement. <laughs> and by the way, nobody was encouraging me to marry Shannon. And I assure you, nobody was encouraging her to marry me. Uh, I've joked about it, but it's kind of true that if my daughters bring me home, uh, I'm going to have a heart attack. Like I, my, <laughs> my plan was I hope something neat happens. Like that was my entire plan for life. <laughs> so that's why we had to get married fast because I was afraid she's going to come to her senses. But Jim encouraged her to, I suppose. But here we are. If your gift is encouragement, be that because, man, people all around you need that. People all around you need to feel that they can accomplish something and they see you, they experience you in that way. That's a spiritual gift. It's not, for you, it's just natural. For you, it's just, I just feel this is how I am. But for me, that's supernatural. For the, those of you that live with that kind of energy and that kind of gusto, or those of you that live uh, with guardian, whatever, like to, you feel that's natural. I'm telling you, that's supernaturally natural. Like, I don't understand how you do it because to me, I can't, but to you, you can because it's supernatural, even though you feel like it's just normal. The imparter is 
If it's giving, then give generously. And we talked last week that this gift is not about money. It's about imparting a piece of yourself, imparting peace into the people around you. And what he says to those is if you are called like to do this, do it with, King James, with simplicity. And I think that that just speaks to the gift itself and the ditch that you could fall into, which is if you're in a situation where you're that peacemaker person, and some of you, this is the way that you and your family growing up, you're the person that were trying to keep mom and dad from fighting. You're the one that's trying to bring peace into a situation. And so you've already had this gift in you and it has been misused on you. And now there's shame all over it for you. The Bible says this is a gift for you and do it with simplicity. Don't let all the complications of everybody else's crap complicate your life. Do this with simplicity. You have no control over how someone is going to feel, right? So you get to communicate truth with simplicity and let the chips fall where they may. You are planting peace, not punching peace. It's not your job to close the deal. It's just your job to plant the peace in them. If this is your gift, do it with simplicity. The guardian, this gift of administration, of leadership, if it is to lead, do it diligently. Um, I love and hate this sentence from uh, Eugene Peterson, the way that he interprets this, if you're a guardian. If it is to lead, do it diligently. He says, if, it is to, <laughs> if you're put in charge, don't manipulate right? Didn't that, that hurt? That hurt my feelings, and I'm not even a guardian. So I don't like his choice of word, but I know what he's saying. And what he's saying is this. If you've got this guardian gift, you know everything that could possibly go wrong because you have rehearsed it over and over and over again in your head. And so your proclivity is to lead with no can't do it. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. And so you proclivity towards then, because I think this could go wrong. Nobody else sees this, but me, I'm the one being realistic. Everybody else is crazy. There's a temptation to try to steer it in a way to get your way in this, not because you're selfish, but because you see something no one else sees. And so that becomes a form of manipulation with it. When, when you sigh ahead of time, when you, there, there's things in all of And look, all of us have our, our stuff in these gifts, like all of us. So this is a seven of them. There's an equal opportunity ditch for everybody. So if you're wincing at this one, it's probably because you are a guardian, I might add. But if, if you're doing something where you're like, I'm sighing or it just can't be done, or I'm like, there's something to that where there's, it, it, it manipulates others. As a guardian, you need to run those scenarios. That's what your job is. And then take a step back and listen to the visionary, listen to the encourager, listen to the collaborator, and together we'll make decisions that pull us into the right decision because your wisdom about what could go wrong versus the encourager's version that nothing could ever go wrong <laughs> versus like, like my wife, the collaborator, like, well, someone's got to figure out how to do all this stuff. Like there's wisdom in all of those gifts when they come together. The last one responder, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If this is your gift, you enter into the suffering of others on a regular basis. And it's exhausting and it's sad. And you, if you're not careful, will then bring that suffering into your own life and make that suffering your own suffering. God never called you to do that. He 
called you to sit with them in their suffering, not to make their suffering your suffering. And in that, do it cheerfully. It's a full, it's a hard job. I don't, there aren't that many of you out there that are responders and it's a, it's a holy calling to sit with someone in their suffering and God's warning and admonition is to you is to not allow yourself to drown in the suffering because you need your own life raft. You need your own like oxygen mask. This is 101 when it comes to counseling or crisis, but it's very hard when you're on the front end of it. So those are the seven. Those are the seven admonitions and the seven warnings. Let the Spirit give you wisdom as to which gift is yours and what your ditch is that you feel like you might be in. And then allow you to see that the way that the visionary works and the encourager, responder, there's a different version of that. They're not necessarily right or wrong. It's that gift and this gift. And so instead of getting angry at someone because they're not doing it the way you want it done, recognize some empathy that maybe it's because there's a different gift coming at me with this one. There's so much empathy that I can give to my, my friends, my family, our staff, and they give it to me because we know what each other's gifts are. And we also know that, hey, there's a ditch that we could get in here. And so it's not that I'm over here trying to be you know, uh, the jerk that I can come across as. I'm really, really trying. But there's a gift that I'm trying to uncover and develop and deliver, which is the last thing, which is the delivering. Which is, so we in Christ, though many, form one body and each member belongs to the other. Those seven gifts are the members of the body of Christ and why it matters to deliver it. There were amazing burritos this morning. I don't know, are Lurwicks, are you in here? Was it Lurwicks that made those burritos? And Gail. Gail too? So it was, Gail, it was a tag team. Well, I accepted one of those burritos as my Lord and Savior this morning back there. It was like I had a, I had a religious experience. Um, but the gift of my feet, like heard the, the, the desires of my head, and in the body of Christ, who is the head? Jesus. Right? My head thought those burritos look delicious. So my feet carried me. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? To the burritos. But I can't eat with my feet. I don't have an opposable thumb on there. No, I needed my hands for that. It, it actually speaks in Romans the function of these gifts. Like the, the function is to make the ideas of the head happen. And that's it. And I need my feet and my hands, all of it, to be able to slam a burrito. Praise him. And you and I need those gifts for whatever that the enemy throws at us. A church full of these gifts is the perfect response to any attack that the enemy throws your way. It's just true. We need them all. And Jesus' ideas, the only way they get implemented in the earth, if he's the head, is for the body to work together. And the only way that we work together is that if we remember, not all of the members have the same function. One of the things that we've been working on as we disciple in Africa is this. Actually, pretty much all over the world. Most times when you're working with a partner in another country, they're probably going to be a visionary, the first one, because they are just, I mean, courageous. They're getting stuff done. Whether anybody's there or not, they're there. So we come alongside and bring other gifts to it. But when they're discipling other pastors, for instance, in Africa, what the temptation then is that everybody who becomes a pastor now is going to act and look and speak like the guy who runs the organization. 
In Uganda's case, that's Alex Mitala. Alex is a visionary. That dude has got vision for days. He has more energy at 72 than I had at 23. He doesn't quit. That's what a visionary does. Now that said, we've got a pastor named Lawrence who is not a visionary, right? We've got a pastor named Moses, not a visionary. If, the, if they think that the only way that I could be a Jesus follower is to now be like Alex, be that gift, they're gonna wear themselves out, they're gonna be exhausted, and Satan is gonna win because the gift that God meant for Lawrence to give, he's not giving because he's trying to give a gift that he doesn't have to give. And that's you and that's me and training each of us. That's the unity that can, these gifts can bring is that I can now recognize that the gift that Dave McKay has, by the way, which is not your piano, that's just a skill. That skill is a highway on which your gift travels, but the gift is not, that's just a skill. That's fun. It's really good, by the way. But there's a gift inside of Dave that that piano opens up for him to then allow that gift to be you saw it up here. Watch the people when they're singing. You see somebody who's an encourager? You don't have to look hard. They're the ones jumping up and down, smiling, flipping circles. Right. You can find them, but that's the gift. Singing just happens to be the talent. Verse four. Just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And listen, each member belongs to all the others. I'm gonna end where we started, which is that I, look, I appreciate the tools that some of the personality profiles out there can give us. And I also recognize that most of them were created by secular humanists or whatever, and they focus you on you. They keep you looking inside of you, focused on fixing you and becoming a better version of you and not a more accurate reflection of Jesus. And I'm at this 52 years now. I've been a, doing, I've done, been a part of a lot of these things. And what I've seen is it's given me a whole lot of self-awareness and not a whole lot of power to do anything about it. These gifts tell us that these gifts are not for me. My gift is for you. Your gift is for me. We're gifts for each other. And the reason that I can say that we belong to each other, how do I know that my sternum and my clavicle and my little toe all belong to each other? The blood. There's blood that flows through my body the same blood that goes to my pinky toe goes to my ring finger. It goes to my shoulder blades. It goes, and by the way, well, we'll talk about that another time, but it formed in the, the marrow of the bones, which is such a gospel picture. No bones on Jesus were broken, which means that there's never a stop in the flow of the blood that saves and washes us clean. But it's that blood that flows through the body of Christ. And because of that blood, I can say that my gift belongs not to me, but to you. And that all of us together, when we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, my sacrifice isn't for you, it's for him. And if I get out of that mindset that my sacrifice is for you, then I won't be disappointed anymore if you don't thank me or recognize it or acknowledge it. You might not have even seen it, but I don't have, because if it's for you, then I'm going to be forever chasing that approval. But it's not for you. It's for him. And I know that I have his approval, 100%, that he looks upon me, he looks upon you with joy. And it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Not fake joy, not like a ha, 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 I'm gonna be now happy, happy, happy. No, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10 simply means that he looks on you and is happy. Sarah, he looks at you, he's happy. He didn't say the joy of the Lord is your joy. He said the joy of the Lord is your strength. If your father is joyful about you, it bolsters you and strengthens you. He is happy about you. He looks on you with joy. And I hope that that strengthens you today.